Welcome to Dairy Intelligent, a podcast by VES Artex. Together we will meet dairy industry intellects and passionate dairy producers to discuss all things cows and connected technologies. Hi there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of VES Artex's podcast, Dairy Intelligent. I'm Annie, your host, and today I'm joined by Richard Hill of VES Artex. The dairy industry is challenged with pressures to lower our carbon footprint, and our focus needs to provide a solution in all areas of sustainability. Proper lighting is one area that can aid in lowering dairy's carbon footprint by lower electric usage and improving the ROI of a farm. So thank you again so much for being with us today, Richard. Let's just start off by having you introduce yourself and giving us some of your background. Hello, how's everyone doing today? Well, I have a lighting background in the agricultural industry since 2014. I was the sales manager of the agricultural division of a lighting manufacturer in Wisconsin, had United States and Canada. From there, I did receive training from a professor at the University of Wisconsin for the effects of lighting on a dairy farm. Next, I did oversee a agricultural division of an energy company in Texas. The dairy industry, as Annie just said, has been pressured, you know, to lower the carbon footprint. And hopefully today we can help you understand that better. Wonderful. Well, thanks, Richard. So I think before we really dive deep, it'd be good to maybe go over some basic lighting terms that you're probably going to be using throughout this podcast. So what are some of the top terms used in lighting and can you expand upon them? Yes. Uh, so for United States um, people, uh, the foot candle is a common term. And what that, what that meaning came from was having one candle the light of one candle in an area of one square feet. So if you had 10 candles, you had, you know, 10 foot candles, or if you had 50 candles in that one square feet, you had 50 foot candles. So that's a pretty much in the lux, um, that is one lumen or one candle per square meter. So another, some of the other areas that you uh, have changed quite a bit is a ballast uh, that was used in fluorescent type fixtures. Um, that ballast created an electrical spark from each end of the tube. Uh, wires would go to the, the, each end of the tube and it would ignite the gas. That spark would ignite the gas in the tube and create uh, the light. Uh, today we use a driver instead of a ballast. It's an LED uh, light emitting diodes that it drives power to. A couple other terms that we see is the rating, the IP rating of a light. IP67 is, you know, waterproof. It can be submerged up to 30 minutes. IP65 is basically a dustproof or low pressure wash. Um, lumens, you, you see, uh, you know, the ratings of how many lumens it puts out, um, but also the color spectrum, you know, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. 5,000 is, is what you want on a dairy farm. Another guideline that we can use that we'll hopefully learn more about today so you can see what kind of lights you're purchasing is what they call lumens per watt. It's an energy rating to determine how much uh, light is being emitted from the amount of lumens um, per wattage of the fixture. I think that was really good. We we went over those basics, um, as I know you're going to be using some of those terms throughout this episode. So 
Obviously, when you're walking into a dairy barn, you need to have lights. People need to see what they're doing um, in order to be safe, also to be able to see what the cows are doing. So why would a farm need to replace their existing lights? Well, typically with conventional lights, um, some of these some of this technology is 40 to 50 years old. Um, with an LED light, it converts 95% of the energy used to into light for the farm where, you know, some fixtures in the past were as low as 50% of that electricity converting into light and the rest was heat. Um, another thing that's quite important is the electrical usage of an LED, or excuse me, electrical usage, usage of lighting on a farm, the entire bill is 20%. So if you can reduce that number, that's a big number for each farm. Um, but basically, you know, the LED lights are just unmatched in uh, performance and uh, efficiency, like I said, of lumens per watt. You, you know, in the past, the lumens per watt of a fluorescent would be in the 80s, and now the lumens per watt are in the 180s. So you can really see the, the effectiveness of the, the lighting to be used. Absolutely. And so where would you recommend um, a farmer would buy these LED lights? Is it, can they just go onto Amazon and buy them online? Or really, what do they need to, where, what kind of information do they need to have when they're making those purchases? Sure. So what we do at, at VSR Tech is we provide you with information of of the most efficient lighting that you can purchase. Um, another thing that we do is with a retrofit, there is opportunities for, you know, rebates, utility rebates. We'll touch more about that later on. But with that, you're buying from a trusted source. Um, the one thing that you'll find is the lumens per watt with a, generally speaking, with a, a light on uh, online, you cannot, they don't really show that feature. Um, you know, if you took down a 150 watt fixture from online that that was had a th 135 lumens per watt, um, that, it creates about 20,000 lumens output. Um, with a more efficient fixture, a DLC premium fixture that we do stock, you, you basically are looking at 120 watts. Um, and that's puts out 21,000 lumens or 175, 179 lumens per watt. And over a five year period, that's a savings of $61, a little bit over $61 in some cases, depending you know, on the national average of electrical cost. So I, I don't think you can find a, a light, even though it's the price is lower online, um, your cost is actually higher. So clearly there's a lot more to look at just beyond the, the initial cost of LED lights. So I'd like to get into the types of lights that are on farms. So let's start off with low bay lights. Where are they used and what's the benefit? A low bay light, you know, is, is usually a linear fixture. It's either four, two foot, four foot or eight foot long. Um, they can be used in breezeways under 12 feet office rooms, break rooms, bathrooms, subways and parlors, calf barns. Um, you know, and how we like to look at a light in these areas is basically trying to provide a specific um, impact for that area. Proper lighting and proper um, 
color spectrum really makes a difference in animal um, well the impact of animal well-being uh, proper equipment care you know when when you're in a bathroom or excuse me a break room or office room you know you want a little bit different uh, lumen or excuse me a little bit different package as far as color so it's not so hard on the eyes but when you're in a utility room and you want to be able to see the chemicals you want proper lighting uh, to meet the, the needs of that area to meet the USA, USDA guidelines. So there's different areas where you can use low bay lighting. Um, and also low bay lighting has a tendency to spread the light further um, out instead of down. And that's why they would be used in a low bay setting. Awesome. And so let's look up and talk about high bay lights. Talk to us about where they're typically used and what their benefits are. Yes, so a high bay light and with a and just opposite of a low bay light, a high bay light is meant to set, uh, drive the light down. Uh, so the angle of the light is much different. Usually, with a low bay light, it's a hundred fifty degree angle. A high bay light's a hundred twenty degree angle. So you're bringing that light, you know, over fourteen feet. It can be used in the housing area, milking parlors, holding areas. Yes, breezeways that are taller than you know, than 12 feet, um, or equipment buildings, such as your shop to, to work on the tractors and that type of area. Um, again, your how they impact the, your farm is, we can use a high bay light to do a long day, what they call long day photometric period. Um, and also, you know, just proper <laughs> cleaning of the barn, of the milking areas, proper cleaning in the, in the housing areas. And also, so the staff can inspect the animals, you know, when you're out in the housing area and you have good lighting, you can see if the cow is injured or something has happened to that animal. But also when they're in the milking parlor, you're meet, again, meeting the guidelines of the USDA and improving the animal health by uh, being able to treat it. Another area that's, that I see that's very important in a high bay light um, is this to improve staff safety. You know, there's this, these farms, uh, you do work 24 seven and to have at nighttime to have proper lighting. So no one gets hurt. They can see each other and you know, you, you don't have to worry about that. Uh, people falling in and not seeing a, a let or a curb or something in that nature. So it, it's really all the way around. It does help the entire farm from the animal health to the safety of the staff as well. Absolutely, and I think it's so important to highlight those features. Again, I think most of us just, we think about lights as just being able to see, but definitely goes beyond that. So we talked on high bays and low bays. Um, are there any other types of lights that are used on farms? And if so, what are they and why are they used? There's, over the years that I've been in the, the industry, we've had great success um, that I have with finding a light that can be used right at the milking station of a cow, whether it's a parallel parlor or rotary. Um, we attach the light so you're really focusing that light truly on the udder. Um, and what this does is give you a great view, uh, the staff's a great view when they prepare the cow, you know, pre prep, post prep, the whole why they're milking, they can inspect the cows, 
uh, to see if there's any, again, any impact of utter health or, uh, but the biggest reason is just to be able to clean that surface. Um, it impacts the, it would lower, it generally lowers the somatic cell count. I've been in times where I had a farm in upstate New York, the first one I ever worked with. They were always in the 160 count for somatic cell count. And when we put the light in, it brought them down into the 130s somatic cell count. So just basically and be able to see what that, the staff be able to see what they're doing really improved uh, the, that farm's financial ROI, but also the, the morale, the, you know, the, the staff was really happy they were doing a better job. So that's uh, very important in that. It is uh, the lights that we do work with in, in this area are NSF, they're uh, food rated. So if you do have other areas, if you're processing your own uh, cheese or ice cream or something, these types of lights are needed in that area as well. So just besides being in the parlor area. Wow, that's so interesting thinking about how we can put a light, you know, right where the milking is happening um, to help with that milk quality and staff safety as well. So now I'd like to shift gears a little bit and talk about maybe not a, a true electrical light, but still a product that plays a really important role in bringing light onto the farm, and that's polycarbonate siding. So why would a farmer want to use this material, and what's the value? It is used a lot. The success of this product um, is used a lot when you want to control an environment in a barn, but it has the ability uh, to see through or let the, the light come through the, the siding. Uh, it does have filters in it, so it stops on harmful UV rays, but it does allow the light to come into the barn. And when you do that, you know, you're, you're providing a, you know, a light source with, for free, basically. You're controlling the atmosphere of the barn um, instead of a normal tin, tin siding. This uh, polycarbonate allows the sun to come through and gives light to the cow. Um, also, they, we do use it quite a bit in uh, calf barns. Um, you know, so in calf barns with the proper layout of the farm, of the building, you can really provide during the winter months when they have that lower sun angle, you can provide warmth for the barn as well, besides allowing sun, you know, the light to come in. But again, they, these are all used in, in types of farms where you have a, a cross vent or, you know, or a tunnel vent where you're having a mechanical use, use of airflow. And uh, you, you would not use this type of siding per se in a natural vent barn because you want the air to naturally come in. But it does reduce your electrical costs. Um, it, by controlling the air movement in that barn, um, mechanically, you're reducing heat stress. And it's a true way to control the air movement without the influences of outside air. Um, so it's, it benefits both lighting and also the, you know, the cow comfort, the safety or the cow safety side of it. Adding another piece to that puzzle and cow comfort. So earlier, I believe when we were talking about high bay lights, you mentioned a long day photometric period. Can you expand upon this process and what the guidelines are? So with a long day photometric period, what, what they're, what you're doing and, and it's, this is with any animal, um, 
you have a light being transmit, transmitted by into the penile gland and the base of the brain. And that penile gland, uh, what that does is that is a source of melatonin for animals. So melatonin, when it increases at, at dusk, it puts the animal to sleep. Well, we want that animal, we want the cow to be realizing that it's 16 hours of light during the day. And that's the, that's the longest day of the year. Uh, with that, you have the suspension of the, the melatonin and the increase of growth hormones. So the cow is naturally going to eat more. It's going to have other things happening. But when you increase your dry matter intake, you increase your milk production. You know, when you have long day photometric period in a farm, such as a cross vent barn or tunnel vent barn, and it's very confined uh, housing, you don't have any light come into it. So it's really mandatory long day lighting is in these types of barns. Um, you know, you, you, you want that increase of, uh, or the decrease or increase, decrease of melatonin and increase of growth hormones to really promote that cow's health. Um, and if they don't have light, they do go into hibernation, just almost like a bear would. So you, you really want to uh, really give that cow some natural form of lighting. In this case, it's use of LEDs. Awesome. And what about a short day photometric period? Um, what lactation stage would that be for? And what are the recommendations? The short day would also happen every day. Uh, for six to eight hours of, of that, you would want below five foot candles. And when you do that, it does put the body naturally into a rest period. You know, so you want that cow to relax, um, you know, be, be able to restore. It's uh, hard work for the day, just like you guys. Anybody that uh, sleeps at night doesn't like the light on, and that's the same thing. They really want to relax and uh, and build up their reserves. We, we don't want to use um, long day photometric period in the dry cow period. There's a lot of hormones already happening in the cow. And we want them to rest and to build up their resources to have that calf. So instead of 16 hours of 20 foot candles of light, you want uh, 16 hours of less than five foot candles. And, you know, with that, you can have six to eight hours of light if you have to work in the, the building. But the more um, the lower light levels are better for the, the dry stage period. And we call that short day photometric period. I think those were two really good um, explanations on short day and long day lighting and how they both can clearly be a really great strategy to have a, a strong ROI. So I'd like to know, Richard, from your experience, what differences have you seen in cow behavior after making changes to lighting? Um, when I was first hired by uh, the company out of Wisconsin, I did long day lighting at a dairy farm. That was a tie stall barn. And, uh, you know, so that was a real true testimonial because the cows, you know, you were looking at the same cows every day. And when the farmer, what he did was uh, just typically he did the wiring and installed the lights himself, but he did it in sections. So what we saw um, was, was pretty remarkable. We, we did a section of cows in the tie stall barn one day 
then he got busy with other chores and so it was two or three days after but what he noticed in the area where we you know had the lights installed those cows the, the mangers were clean all the food they had ate it up and they were starting to milk better and the other section there was the the food was still in that area so again that was a true scientific test to show you know how it does improve the dry matter intake the cows just naturally um you know increase their food intake increase their milk production and had great results from it um so that really to me was a, a great testimonial starting in the lighting industry to really see the importance of it but as we go along um this is where you really see the difference of quality in, in lighting is when you do a, a light design uh, by a photometric measurement so you can really place the needed foot candles in the areas of the, the stalls, the, the feed lanes, um, constant in a constant setting and a balanced setting throughout the housing area, the holding area as well. But, you know, before when I started, we were doing long day lighting also sometimes with, with fluorescence. And a general rule of thumb with long day lighting is 15 foot candles. Well, with, with that, you could achieve that success with 15 foot candles. But unfortunately, what would happen um, as you the light did depreciate, you would have to replace the bulbs in the fluorescent. With long day lighting today with leds it is a much better color spectrum of light much more effective but in that you do have a longer life period so you can't replace the bulbs in an led after a couple years so we do increase the foot candle levels to about 22 foot candles or 20, 220 lux at two feet above the ground when we do our our layouts and the reason for that is that light's going to get dirty. Uh, it's going to, you know, it's going to somewhat depreciate. So after eight years, you still have 18 foot candles or more. But again, this is where the quality of light really depends because you have a nice balance of light, but also you have an important um, true representation of, of the light degrading at a much slower rate. So it's... Uh, I, I I feel sometimes people look at, you know, yes, I can buy it on Amazon, but it's it's not going to last as long and it's going to create hot spots right underneath the light. The light isn't going to spread as well. So these are all factors when you're really designing and doing long day lighting. It's such a an investment uh, to the farm, but it's, it's also to have the right fixture. Uh, it does have higher paybacks than a than a cheaper fixture would as well. Absolutely, that that quality of light is so important. And I think that was such a great example um, that you were able to see firsthand on how that cow behavior was truly affected in a positive by the change. Are there any certain regulations on what types of lights are used on a farm today? Can you dig into that aspect? Yes, um, there's definitely, you know, guidelines from your uh, milk processor the government also the you know food and drug administration also has guidelines and milk processing rooms um they do vary from 
some vary from state to state um, as well or from processor to processor but basically you know they like to see 75 foot candles or more in uh, food processing areas that's your bulk tank room or your parlor um, in other areas is OSHA does require a, a minimum of 10 foot candles in uh, in your chemical rooms um, also in general work areas we they like to see 10 of 10 foot candles and uh, you know restrooms um, OSHA does have that as well as first aid rooms that is uh, 30 foot candles for first aid rooms so these are all guidelines whether it's from the federal government or OSHA or your milk processors um, for the milking equipment side of it you know if you're Sometimes I've seen where milk processors, if you're having troubles meeting certain somatic cell count, they do recommend, you know, the parlor lighting uh, so you can see better. Um, that's, it's been a big help to some of my customers, like I stated earlier with the testimonial to do that. And, you know, it's every little thing you can do in today's, um, you know, strict guidelines to, to meet those guidelines and to provide a safe environment for your staff and then for your cows as well. For sure. I think that last few sentences really wrapped things up nicely. Um, changing your lighting can maybe be a very small, in the grand scheme of things, right, investment that can definitely have a, a big payback. And one thing we often hear about with um, changes to barn lighting is rebates. How does someone go about investigating rebates or where do they even start? Uh, rebates are driven by your utility. Um, so like a, a utility company, for example, in the state of Vermont, where, you know, they have a limited supply of electricity. They still use uh, wood to build or burn wood to create steam. Um, so they, they cannot really build a new uh, utility plant. So what they do is they offer rebates to lower the, you know, the, the demand on the grid because there's always more customers. You just got to reduce the, the grid load. So that's why they do it, basically. So that's how come there's always differences. You know, a, a state that requires, that uses hydropower, unfortunately, they, they might not do rebates uh, from my experience. Where, so it just depends on the utility company as well. But, you know, again, they, there's, a, there's a rating. There's an independent lab that rates lights. It's called the Designer Lights Consortium. And they rate it basically two different ways, a premium or just listed. The premium does offer more benefits as far as uh, the rebate. For example, some utilities will do like an $80 rebate for a, a high bay light uh, if it's listed and they will do like $130 uh, rebate if it's DLC premium. Be again, because your lumens per watt, your longevity, you know, everything is, is considered into that rating of the fixture. If a light is DLC listed or DLC premium, the manufacturer does have to provide a five-year warranty. Um, but the main benefit of the rebate is to basically lower the ROI for, you know, with the rebate and, you know, with the, the product itself, like we talked about earlier, you know, you can really decrease your light overall light bill 
and that's 20% of your farm. So if, if you can reduce your, you know, wattage and your lighting, that's a, that's a big hit to the, you know, to improving the bottom line. Anything that can help save money is a humongous bonus, especially I, I wasn't aware that lighting was such a large part of a utility bill. So that's really huge if you're able to capitalize there on those upgrades with rebates. So Richard, what would you say are the three biggest values a dairy farmer can see from improving and updating their barn lights? Well, you know, I, I feel it's uh, the safety guidelines for the staff members. You know, like we said earlier, I said earlier, it's a 24-7 operation. And if you can provide an environment where people can see what they're doing and, you know, not, you know, trip over something or, or you know, you're, you're around a, an animal that, you know, so you, you got to be able to see it. <laughs> and uh, there's equipment, there's uh, skid steers, and, you know, there's a lot of uh, things happening on a farm at nighttime. And uh, so to have your staff members really see what they're doing and uh, really see, I think it improves the morale a lot from my experience um, when they can see what they, they're doing and they're doing a good job. Uh, they do want to work harder. And, you know, you, you're, you're meeting the government guidelines. Uh, it is a licensed business. So you do have to meet producing food. So, you know, the, the better quality of food that you're producing, um, you, you do meet those guidelines um, if you do proper lighting. You're reducing your electrical cost, uh, as we just talked about. But the animal health uh, with proper lighting, long day lighting levels, and you can improve the mature cow's life cycle and, and bring the young stock into the herd faster um, and improve the conception rate as well. Sometimes I've also seen, you know, where they've taken lighting to the next step. Unfortunately, they've done long day lighting incorrectly where they leave the lights on 24 seven, full, full, um, you know, full rate. It, it does put, it's been proven that it does put animal stress on a cow. So all these factors of doing it properly with great guidance, um, you know, really you're, you're just improving your entire farm um, ROI, and but also more important, you know, everybody is, is healthier, both your staff members and your, your animals. That's such a great summary of our conversation that we've had today. Um, and I do have one more question just before we go ahead and end this. Um, but I'd like to know, Richard, what does an animal-centered environment mean to you? What I've had the opportunity of, of having the lighting background, you know, I, I did a lot of traveling. And you would see different uh, methods of milking a cow. You know, I, I always used to joke, uh, you know, whether you were in New York, um, Florida, California, uh, Arizona, you know, there's so many different methods of housing um, an animal, but it's all, you, you have to bring all the, the controls, excuse me, all the atmosphere um, together. You know, they talk about cow comfort. Uh, we want the cow to be able to lay down. Uh, so the use of the stall and bedding material is, is highly crucial. You know, we want the, the lighting to provide um, to, to the cows to improve its health. You want proper ventilation. 
you know, so you, you want to start bringing everything in that barn really focused on that, that animal. Uh, the, the ventilation, as we learned today, you can have different types of ventilation. Um, and by having the, you know, your polycarbonate siding or, you know, natural vent. But all these different types of ventilation brings that, that housing uh, area to that cow comfort. So cow cooling, uh, like this week, uh, they're experiencing high temperatures in the Midwest. You know, so having soaker systems or high pressure fogging, um, that's also key. Calf care, you know, once that calf is born, to have a, a housing environment that it can really thrive, whether it's 25 below zero or, or like this week of 90, in the 90s, you want that animal to really have the best, uh, best care throughout its life and once it enters the milking herd. And what we've done as a company too is we have Dairy Boss. Dairy Boss is a system to, to really control all these aspects um, to, to really help you manage your, your herd in a, from a business standpoint of view but also from a, an animal side, animal centered environment point of view. Well, thank you again so much, Richard, for sharing your time and obviously your expertise within the lighting industry. Proper barn lighting can have such an impact on your herd, your employees, and potentially your bank account, as we talked about today. So thank you, everyone, who joined in and listened to this episode, and we will see you in our next one. Thank you for joining us for another Dairy Intelligent episode. We hope you have found some suggestions to improve cow comfort on your farm or simply just learn something new. If you have not already, please be sure to subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast platform and let your friends know about us. We would love to have them listen and learn.